There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to Nebraska Preps Post Game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. That's the big voice guy. That means I get another week with my main man, Jacob Padilla. We're solving all the world's problems behind the scenes. Jacob, one of the greatest listening ears of all time. And his Wi-Fi is working, so we're going to keep him logged in. And he is post the sun's setting. (laughs) Sun is down, freezing cold. Uh, yeah, don't worry. My, my Lakers will be joining you here in a second. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that was certainly an interesting game. One, uh, hard, a lot, to, lot of swings, hard to kind of get your mind around, right? You feel like sometimes for as easy as Jokic makes it for everybody else, they sometimes still kind of take and hit tough shots. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, right. It's they, uh, they simultaneously get easier shots than you. And also make the tough ones that they have to take. That's what, like, watching the Suns, like, the, the shot quality throughout that series just didn't compare. And then there are those back-breaking possessions where you did everything right, and they still hit the shot. Yeah, a couple. there was the corner three from Porter. There was the floater. I feel like the only from, shot I from, saw him take was a step-back three, and he hit almost all of them. Yeah. How about the floater from... Do you know how many times I've watched KCP play and have him not hit a mid-range pull-up? Like, if he's not behind the arc, it, sometimes it just doesn't go in. And he splashed the one on the loose ball on the break, and I was like, that's a backbreaker. And then, yeah, that the, little off the backboard, like, that's a tough shot. Who's making yeah. – he doesn't make those, right? So it's like – I don't know. I think it's funny, though, just because I watch Jokic play, and, and you know, Mark Jackson obviously has to call the broadcast. But he did own, you know, being the guy that left him off his MVP ballot. He, he, so his explanation was that he submitted his all NBA ballot instead of his MVP ballot. Is that what he was implying? Uh, it seemed like it. He didn't really land the plane except <laughs> for at the end when he said, Hey, listen, you know, if I make a mistake, I'm going to own it. And I was like, well, the statement is owning it. The, the manner in which it happened was kind of ambiguous, Yeah, it's... but I didn't want to split hairs. I just know I chuckle, especially having the NBA league pass watching Jokic a fair amount because he's always blacked out here. Yeah. It, that's just what he does. Yeah. It, right? it, it, I know it doesn't look like much. You you wake up or you blink and all of a sudden he has 10 points and eight rebounds. And it's like 29, 27. And you don't, because you don't realize it, right? 
that was it what 12 8 and 5 or something in the first quarter in the like first that? quarter yeah. yeah 19 and 17 at halftime Half. seven assists i think two blocks uh like seven to ten from the field like it and i i think uh we as a collective basketball viewing uh i, I, uh, I guess i mean whether it's both fans and the the people that are talking about the game i, I met, mentioned this before uh before the what we started but I think we got lured into uh, thinking that Denver was something it was not because they locked things up so early and looked so pedestrian over the last month plus of the season. Yeah. Uh, now, Jokic is still that dude, uh, and <laughs> the Nuggets are still the number one seed, and they're absolutely playing like it again. Yeah. And they're going to be tough out. Uh, that Yes, they are. Do you see any um, upset potential with Boston and Miami? Considering they're polar opposites, right? Grinders, play hard, maximize effort, try hard team in the heat versus naturally talented, take some stretches off because we're uber talented, Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, the the Spo versus Missoula thing would be the one thing that you could kind of cling to and the fact that somehow Miami keeps doing this, that they're still here. But yeah, I, I think, if Boston does lose this series, uh, that would be a pretty big indictment on Missoula and, and those guys at this point because there's Boston. Is a far and they're more, the fave of the four yeah, remaining teams. They're a far more complete team than uh, than Miami is. They just got more ways to beat you. You're the last guy I should ask because you actually tweeted it early when you said the Monty Williams current roster construction, something has to change. My original question was going to be more surprised at the abruptness of firing Williams or firing Doc Williams or Doc Rivers. Both happened pretty quick relative to what was going on. So can I walk you back through the level of surprise? I think you wanted something to change with Williams, but which one actually more surprised you in its swiftness? Yeah, I, I think that the swiftness is just a matter of like, almost out of respect for these guys. Like, all right, if it's going to happen, let's get it done now. So you guys can go uh, be in the mix for all these open uh, jobs right now. Cause obviously uh, a lot of openings across the league and uh, these franchises moving forward with their, their interview lists and all that type of thing. So um, yeah, I wasn't terribly, I retweeted a, a Philly fan that kind of made the point like, and, and typical Jacob yeah. Padilla, it's not snark, but like, yeah, this is kind of how it is. Well, Doc, Doc's been a problem the last few years. This year probably was the least, like, the best job he's done. Completely, and they just ran into completely agree. And his stars didn't show up. But like, you're not getting rid of the stars. So if, um, like, I think that they're just at this point, you just got to try something different. Was the was the death knell James Harden's? It's okay. okay. <laughs> I think so. Like after hearing that, like, especially if you want to try to retain Harden, because obviously that's not a given at this point with the player option and the Houston rumors and all that sort of thing. Um, so I, I think they, that's kind of what they felt like. And again, like with, with the Phoenix thing, I didn't want this to have to happen. Like wanted Monty to be able to get over the hump. And back when they hired him, I wasn't, wasn't thrilled um, because what he had proven to this point to that point in his career is he's a good coach, obviously a great man, um, good culture guy, but hadn't shown that he could like get a team over the hump in the playoffs that didn't, didn't necessarily have the answers. And 
that's I, I think he he improved like he learned some things and he, he did a lot of good things in Phoenix and obviously got them to the point where they were two wins away from a title. Um, but the last even that one, like losing four straight and then the way the last two series ended just showed a, a coach that didn't didn't have answers. Like when things went wrong, didn't have uh, didn't even try things like that's the thing. Like it's not so like the, the Suns were probably losing that series no matter what as currently constructed and the way the guys were playing. But two timeouts an entire half as you're getting run off the floor. Um, <laughs> yeah, the the good, lack of good point. the lack of like planned adjustments and trying certain things and it just didn't seem like he really ever had a solution for what adjustments were made against them even in the Clippers series like that went that they ended up winning that thing but um I think Ty Lue did a lot of a lot of good stuff in there and they the Suns won because they had Devin Booker and Kevin Durant so it's it's unfortunate I would have liked to have seen him be the one to get them over the top I just don't have any confidence that he will. The problem is I don't know that you can guarantee that you can get an upgrade. Like even some of the biggest names on, on the market right now, like would you Budden. take, would you take nurse? Is he your first pick? So I don't love it. Um, I, I think, I think he's a better, like better than doc or bud who were kind of the same guy in different styles, but same guy as Monty in terms of uh, good coach, maybe not the, what you need to, to win a title. Although, um, but did I mean both those guys have but I mean at this point in their careers the way they've been coaching um, nurse I worry about the long term like he really like it got really bad there at the end in Toronto with his relationship with players and front office and everything uh, you worry about the long-term burnout effect but you're also like hey we need to win a title now and you've got Kevin Durant in his mid-30s and um, like we got to make a push now so like I I wouldn't hate like I I think it could work as a short term like I think he's a better option than some of the other big names on, on the market I just it just seems like uh, the, the Phoenix people um, plugged in doesn't seem like he's gonna be on the list it really does seem like they're pushing all in trying to get Ty Lu from the Clippers um, who I felt like and it's my guy so I'm saying this with all due respect did not have a a great year. He on the bench. He did not, and that's kind of. Oh, you're in agreement. Oh okay, yeah. Okay. So I I follow um, some Clippers bloggers. Um, uh, shout out to Cole Huff, uh, Creighton, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Creighton alum. That's out there writing for them among others. Two one three hoops. Um, but like, the, especially during the regular season, like the way he handled so much, and he had a lot personally going on. Obviously, as as he made clear, um, but it just wasn't a great season. He kind of got stuck into his. Um, the kind of the the comfort, like the, the players keeping the lineup the same, um, not necessarily experimenting as much as he could have during the year, but you saw it again in the playoffs where this is a guy that has adjustments that is going to try different things. He just didn't have a great year, which kind of could point to, well, maybe the time with the Clippers, they've kind of gone as far as they can together. And maybe that's the opening to, for Phoenix to swoop in and try something different. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm just going to kind of wait and hope for the best because, <laughs> again, it's not it's not going to be easy to upgrade on Monty Williams, although I think it's necessary. Uh, let's get to uh, to high school. Yeah, let's, let's a, talk about. What wow, this. that was that was interesting because that was like a super quick 10 minutes of <laughs> just NBA. Um, 
But this whole positionless thing, I think, is a little bit of a transition as we kind of get into what was a light week kind of to recap. And we've yeah. got we've got a little bit of one coming up here um, before too long uh, this weekend. I think some teams are in Des Moines. You guys are in. We're done. This this last weekend was the last one for uh, the spring for us. So down in the next pro open session, Lincoln, that's where most of the teams we had uh, OSA, Nebraska Supreme, Lincoln Supreme, Nebraska Hoops Elite, Omaha Elite. We're, we're all down there uh, this weekend, Nebraska United. Um, so that's that's what I spent my weekend watching. Yeah. So so and we'll recap that one in a second. But let me get into just real quick um, with this whole, you know, we we're talking about Jokic and 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 guys. When you're looking at coaches now, and you coach, right? You're 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 right there in the thick of it uh, in the in the summer scene with AAU basketball. You know t- a ton of high school coaches in season. Are you one of those guys that thinks, hey, positionless is cool? You got to operate under these kind of constraints, or are you just a big fan of the free flowing game and you think you'll figure it out as it goes? Because what we're seeing with offers, like when you hear they were looking at like a, a, a Bynum to maybe handle the ball more or uh, some of these guys that have had offers that are these long, strong, like Amir Martin playing some point. And you're thinking, we haven't seen a lot of that before. Are you really playing to their strengths? Or Hunter Salas, who was used as a ball handler at, at Gonzaga sometimes because their backcourt struggles are you a figure it out on the fly or are you more of a eh, we kind of very better zero this in if you want to play to their strengths? Yeah, I, I th- especially at, at the youth level. Um, I think it is an, important to let players ex, uh, explore that um, and see, okay, what are they capable of? You don't want to, you want to, you want to do that without building bad habits. And I think that's the key mm. um, as far as the players that, that make it. I, I don't know how many six, nine guys that list themselves as shooting guards and just want to handle the ball and, and shoot threes and all that type of stuff. Um, I honestly, I think that's like Ben got Dak the, the spring that he's having in the senior year that he had. I think that's the transition that he made. He committed more to doing, all right, I'm six, nine with a seven, seven wingspan. Like I want to be a guard, but I got to do the other stuff too. And that'll help me. Uh, and he stepped up his rebounding, his shot blocking, uh, is finishing in a big way for Southeast's senior year, and it's carried over to the spring. Um, That's a really good example. So, so, what would you do with a guy like Frager or Amir Martin or Chuck Love, where we've seen on the high school level sometimes people take advantage of the fact they don't handle it a ton as ball handlers, but are probably seen going forward as guys that will handle the ball. And, and that's that's more the the skill development and like that's what's going to be most important for them. Like throw them out there and see, all right, what can I do now? What do I need to be able to do to get where I want to go? And um, which which Quint, on the other end has, has helped a guy like Cade Cook, right? Who yeah. was playing in the backcourt as a kid, handling kind of like Justin Patton, right? Kind of a, a guard, and then all of a Shot sudden, up. you wake up one day and you've like grown six inches. Where the ball handling is, well, and they had him listed as a center when he got to Gretna on their roster. Oh, I know. Uh, and now, now back in the spring, he's 
kind of continue to settle into his body, going to handle the ball a little bit more for the NBDA team. And he's been uh, kind of touring the, the GPAC schools and picking up offers left and right from them. So isn't that uh, something? Yeah. So it, it's, <laughs> I think it comes down to good development, good coaching and the player understanding what you need to do to be successful and to not fall in love with just doing the, the flashy stuff to that, just making the, the, the pull-up jumpers and all that type of stuff the brunt of your game as opposed to a counter when you can't get the better looks. Now, this may be contrary to your personality, but I'm appealing to your sense of objectivity because you love kids and you love basketball. If you're looking for programs, are you about exposure or development? Uh, it's uh, Early on, it's got to be 100% development. Okay. 17 EU summer, especially like that's, I think, when you need to pay more attention to exposure and the opportunities and the schedule you're going to play, the level of competition, that type of stuff. Because let's be honest, unless you're um, a four-star high-level kid or even someone like Frager that's dunking on people left and right, chances of picking up like D1 coaches in particular aren't going to be watching you at 15U, 16U level uh, as much as um, they, they wait for the 17U level again outside of the the – the, the really high level prospects that have already established themselves as targets. So um, I, I think the most important thing, 15 to 16 level is developing your game, finding somewhere where uh, th they, they do give you a chance to work on your game in practice and, and then um, kind of play your strengths and explore kind of what you're capable of uh, in the games on the weekend. And again, that's like, I've with my teams, I've always, I don't necessarily run a, a million set plays, call something every single time. I want to put them into positions where they make decisions mm -hmm. and can hopefully either succeed or learn from it if it doesn't go well and try to like point out, all right, this didn't go well for this reason. This is what we need to be doing in this situation. And then throw them back out there and hope that um, they they can make the better decision that's, and learn from it. That's so a good point. Um, that, that's, I, I think it, it's all important. It's just, I think a matter of time. I'm like, you got to be able to take advantage of the exposure you're getting. <laughs> you got to get to that point first as a player where you're good enough to uh, impress coaches that are watching you. And um, there are a lot of different ways to impress coaches. You go dunk on somebody, you, you communicate, make great help rotations, knock down the open shots. Like there's a lot of different ways and a lot of different things that coaches are looking for. Um, and um, but the more developed you are as a player, the easier it is to, to draw their attention. Uh, let's, let's, let's get into recaps, right? I mean, this, this is kind of, this is actually, to be honest, I mean, full disclosure, why I do like talking to you. I try not to monopolize, monopolize your time with just NBA or just, you know, X's and O's or, you know, pin downs and down screens and off ball action and stuff like that. I do like to talk about kids as well. Cause you have that kind of range, but every now and again, we get into these kinds of things. Cause I think we like the same types of things. At least that's the impression yeah. I get. Yeah, it's, it's fun kind of, especially, I mean, like we're, we're tr we try to keep this thing going as close to year round as possible. So only so many topics you can hit in a certain amount of time. So it's fun to kind of spread it out. And, and I, and I, and I think sometimes parents need to hear kind of like from multiple perspectives. Okay. What am I looking for in programs and when should I be looking for them? Right. Yep. And because how how often do you check the tournament schedule and say, okay, where are we going to be playing? Some programs sell it. Hey, we're going to be here, here, and here. You need to come be with us for exposure. Others are like, hey, we'll get your game right and be competitive, 
So this is advantageous to you too. So I think, I think talking out loud about those different dynamics is pretty important. And on the schedule thing, like you got to consider like what exposure is important for you. Like if you're an NAI kid, you probably want to be playing closer to here, Kansas City, uh, Omaha or Lincoln. Uh, Des Moines. Yeah. As opposed Anchor. to flying out to California or going to Chicago or something like that where um, like unless you're just really interested in getting out of this area and going as far away as possible, like it's more important for like GPAC is some of the best NAI basketball in the country. It, so like that, that's not opinion. No, that, that's that's yeah. in rankings. That's a fact. So you got a lot of good options in this area already. Um, so it's probably better if you're an NAI level kid to, to be playing uh, closer to home and in front of those coaches that are going to be in that area as opposed to, um, Oh, we're going to, we're going to Las Vegas. We're going to Houston. We're going right. to all, all these types of places. Like, um, so that, that's just another thing to continue uh, or to consider. But um, this weekend we got to stay close to home, yeah. uh, go down to Lincoln. And uh, again, a handful of different programs down there. Um, we had one, two, I think three or four different Nebraska teams went four. No, uh, this weekend that I saw at the top. Yep. Um, Nebraska Supreme pro 17s again, Pat Freeman's team continued um their really good spring uh they they went uh four no they beat omaha elite 60 55 to open the weekend i didn't get to see that entire game that was a big one omaha elite full strength they had quentin mccafferty back who uh has been out with an ankle injury i believe um and so good to see him back out there for them uh and i walked over there and basically how about the crowd though? yeah uh, it was <laughs> I had a tough time uh, being able to get find somewhere I could see the court, but uh, uh, who is it? Um, do you uh, like? Do you like? Are you an overhang guy, or do you like to be on the floor? So I I like being basically as close to courtside front row as possible. Like that's the the seats that I always aim for, so I can see the whole court. I'm close enough to kind of see what's going on, everything. Um, so like that's usually where I look first, and then kind of branch out from there to wherever it is possible uh, to see. But um, they they I, they just have a good set. I like the setup. Yeah, they've got multiple options there. They got the bleachers. They got the overhang. Um, can go hang out on the bench as well for some of these programs. So, um, But Omaha Elite, they, they tied it up with a three, um, a 55 all, and uh, went up in the press. Nebraska pushed it ahead. And Landon Pekorski on the wing in transition, like within the last minute or so, Pulled up for the three and answer and knocked it down. Yeah. And like, geez, that is a, it's gu- in a gutsy. tie game. Yeah, gu- yeah, gutsy. Uh, it's basically a transition three. Yep. And <laughs> no hesitation. Let that thing fly and knocked it down. Uh, Omar Lee came back and um, Devin Holman, I think, tried to get up a three from the corner and Antela Samuel closed out, blocked it. And we're saying uh, that name yeah. again this week. Uh, N- Nebraska Supreme hit a couple of free throws to seal it. So. That was, that was a good way to start the weekend for them. Um, they beat Missouri Flight by uh, seven. I didn't get to see that at all. They beat Colorado Rough Riders by 11. I did. I was there for that one. Alex Wilcoxon went off at 22 points, six of 11 from three, seven boards. And Landon Pekorski, again, 14 points, most of it from the free throw line, went 10 to 10 from the line. So this, I felt like for him this weekend, scoring the basketball again, I think some people saw how he goes 1,000 points in three years. Because early on this spring, he hasn't really had to, you know, be a scorer like he is at for his high school and kind of what he's been known for. He's 
He's played a little more off the ball some. He's had to share the ball handling duties with Eldon Turner and guys like that in the backcourt. So I think he kind of got back into the scoring mindset this weekend. And they were down a couple of guys on Saturday, so more playing time, uh, more shots. Uh, uh, that's a good point. Um, very, so he, they need him point. to step up, and, and he did. Uh, and then they closed out the weekend. Uh, the 14-point win over Rogue at Oklahoma. Um, Carter Mick went off 17 points, 7 of 8 from the field, at three threes. Um, ben got Dak, 14 points, 5 boards. Marcus Glock, 12 points, only missed one shot. Um, so just kind of an efficient end of the weekend. They, they got they started slow a little bit in all four games, I think, but came back and won. Um, so good weekend for them. They 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 had a fantastic spring. Again, they get they get a little bit of break now, but um mentioned Antoine Sandalinal. Sounds like he's going to prep squad in Arizona. Obviously, Ben got Dax going to Sunrise Christian. So um good to see those guys kind of find uh Lincoln, yeah, yeah, loses a push. couple too. Uh Level of appreciation, since we do it every other week, we might as well be consistent because we talked about him last week in passing. You know, mixing the semifinals today, uh, as a matter of fact, with Lincoln East just playing hard and relentless this weekend in hoops, having a big offensive weekend, right? Like, just the affinity that I have for the duality of what's at stake and what he's willing to do. He's one of those guys that just lets it hang. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just incredible. Like, I can't believe, like, what they've done this spring of the travel down for a Friday game, come back for uh, to for baseball on Saturday, and then travel back down to Wichita um, yep. or uh, Kansas City, like, making those drives for just one game uh, just to be there with the team. And um, to kind of it's obviously a different role. By the end of last summer with that OSA Gold team, uh, he was he was the dude there because obviously Alex Wilcox and I moved up. That's so kind of how that's kind of how we started. Like, yeah. hey, listen, yeah. just a sophomore because this was last year. It's like he's playing really, really. Well. Actually, both guys benefited from that move. Yeah, hundred percent. Carter, Carter Mick benefited as did Alex Wilcox and moving up with ETG. So it's been a little bit different role for him this spring, but I mean, when you're you're trying to um, balance two uh, two sports at the same time, you might not be like the, the shots might not quite fall as consistency consistently um when you're out there pitching every other day but um he's had some big games for them and that's kind of what they need like he's some, some games he'll take one or two shots uh, other games he'll come up and score 17 off the bench for him so um it, it's he's a good piece for them to have and buying into that role and the dedication he showed um I, I think coaches would certainly should take note of and uh consider when you're looking at him if we've take if sport. we take late march which i think the last weekend in march april and the first two weeks in May, would you say, and Sandonello what is the guy that made the probably the the most buzz for that basketball team in terms of attention, or am I missing? One? I, he he's been up and down. Um, it's been different guys. I don't know that there's any one player. Okay. Alex Wilcox has probably been the most consistent player for that scoring team. for sure. But and, you know, and, and defending too at the point of attack. It, it like just bugs me that people yeah. pigeonhole him. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's better than that. Yeah, and and then Ben got Dak is the other one, and then beyond that, it's kind of like when when Antle has been really good, they've they've won. Like they have not lost really when he's been locked in and performing at a high level. Um, so, um, yeah, it's I mean that those uh, BD and Antle as kind of the unsigned seniors adding to that group kind of pushed them over the top. 
Um, so they've had a great spring. I, w- I was impressed with OSA Elite Travis, um, 17U this weekend. They went 4 0. He's a good coach. Yeah. Um, and good group of kids that have played together. Yep. Um, no, very years. familiar. Uh, they share it too. Yeah. Uh, multiple guys had a great weekend. Um, Cam Demoni, uh, in their last game of the weekend, uh, finished with 21 points on seven to 10 shooting, four or five from three. He had 16 in the second half to basically single-handedly ice that game. I love the way he plays. Yeah. We talked about him in, at the high school season. I said that he was the X factor for Miller North, does all the dirty work, yeah. underappreciated. Uh, I've watched him ruin many lives of some teams that he was playing against that I was the father of. <laughs> like, Was it one side that he hit a bunch yeah, of Yeah, he's just yeah. – uh, I'm just a big fan like because – you know, he doesn't say much. He appears to be really well liked. Like I watch him, you know, I'm weird, right? I watch kids interact with other kids. And I'm like, you know what? That that's probably a guy I would ride with. Cause he does those things that unless you're watching, you probably don't appreciate. Yeah. He uh had twenty one in that last game, scored fifteen and I saw three of their four games. Um Audric Burmel from from Elkhorn had a really good weekend, scored fourteen, fifteen. Uh, and then 12, uh, pretty efficient uh, in, in the three games that I watched for them. Um, some timely steals. Um, Co- Colin Comstock, also from Elkhorn, had a really great first game that I saw. Scored 19 points on six of eight shooting, hit three threes. Um, Carson Jones, solid, continues to be kind of a double-digit score for them from Creighton Prep. Uh, Nate Roberts from Elkhorn also had uh, a really good game uh, against SSA Hoops Black in their win there. Uh, 12 points, three steals, kind of everywhere so long on de- defense. So, um, just, uh, and then Jordan Gasson had a couple of good games as well. Um, had 10 points in one of the wins had 12 points in the other, um, didn't, didn't miss a shot, uh, in that 12 point game. So they've got a lot of different pieces that, 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 they, that can hurt you. Um, and they had a great weekend as well. And then Nebraska, uh, Lincoln Supreme national two 17 U's went four and oh, as did Nebraska United 15 U's. And they've got a, got a couple and they've got some eighth graders playing up there. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I uh, I only watched uh, one full game of them. Uh, they the competition in their pool was rough. There were two teams that should not be playing at this level. They shouldn't be honestly traveling, let alone playing in the pool that they were. No, I'm not. I'm. Uh, I, I believe you. Lincoln Supreme National won 15U beat this Colorado team, uh, 84 to eight. They did not score in the second half. Ooh. It just complete waste of time for everybody. And talking to. Uh, United's coach, like they gave up 15 points, uh, and he was mad at his team for giving up 15 against them. So. Well, he let off the gas, yeah. man. They, they had six field goals in the game yeah. and three free throws. You're like, wait, what? But Jaquise Fowler and Jordan Castor are two names that uh, you're going to want to keep an eye out for the next four years. Uh, incoming freshman there, um, and Will Schaefer also North Star um, had a good game. I watched them. Supreme National one pushed them harder than anybody else, but uh, United ended up pulling away and. Uh, winning that one. So uh, Fowler had uh, 14, hit four threes in that one. Caster had 11 points, five steals, four boards, and Schaefer just did a bit of everything. 12 points, eight rebounds, four assists, four blocks, two steals. Um, so those are the teams that, that went 4-0, uh, went undefeated this weekend. Um, some 3-1 and one teams, OSA Klein, 17U, they they struggled a little bit early on in spring, kind of figure things out. They had a really good weekend outside of one letdown against Omaha Elite Blue, 17U. Um, my elite second team. Coach Klein stays in the gym, man. Yeah. He, his scouting report, he's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Outside of them, uh, they, they destroyed everybody else they played. And Stephen Polichek's on that team. Cole Peterson from Elkhorn had a great, uh, great weekend. Um, Ryland Rodriguez, 
Omar Bryan. He was on that OSA gold team last year. The, he's coming. The progress he's made. He's oh, yeah. a completely different player from what I saw, even during the high school season. And Coach, Coach Gully is extremely excited about him. Yeah. I mentioned Omaha Elite. They went 3-1. and one. That, that supreme loss was their only one. Um, Dale Ron Thomas had 20 points, uh, went 4-6 from 3 in a win over Colorado Rough Riders National. And then they ended the weekend with a with a uh, Devin Holman game winner uh, in their last game against Missouri Flight. Won 52-51, caught on the perimeter, drove, kind of put up a little runner at the basket, at the buzzer. I, I didn't see the shot until I saw a video. I heard the reaction over on another court. Um, <laughs> You're like, hey, I think that was a buzzer beater. <laughs> and, and then kind of last shout out to Nebraska Hoops Elite. For some reason, they put all their teams played six games. Yeah. Um, so uh, Greg Hepburn and likability factor, right? Yeah. They, hey, G help. We got you, but it, we're going to get some games in. Yeah. The 17s top team went three and three Ricky Lofton and Tay Moore uh, had played really well for the weekend. They picked up Tay playing for him. Um, there's 16 new top team, uh, Ami Williams and Chris Brown from, from Bellevue yep. East. Yep. And then Jordan Anderson from Lincoln North star led them to five and one this weekend. Uh, their second six new team, Dion Darnell and Brandon uh, Jarman from, from Brian, uh, both played well. They went five and one as well. And then the 15s went four and two. Um, Ramon Ware from Omaha North and Dwayne Carney from Northwest kind of went the way. They played four games on Saturday and won all four. So um, it was pretty good showing for them having to play the extra games there. Oh, um, that's something you do at Nationals. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I saw this. I asked him, I was like, how do you end up playing? He said, I'm still trying. Uh, Greg said, yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out. So <laughs> it, was, it didn't seem like something they requested. I don't know how that worked out. But um and then the ETG 15s, they, they were the only ETG playing. They went two and two playing up in the 16U division. I saw them play against All Iowa Attack uh, uh, Elite Red. Uh, they were, it was a one point game at halftime. They just kind of got away from them. Couldn't hang in there. But I, I think it was a, obviously, it's a team that's been struggling a little bit. There were some things, to, positive things to take away this weekend, beating two 16U teams. And they were competitive with that uh, elite team where the 15s had. They weren't really competitive with them either the times they played them. So um, hopefully that that kind of gives them some confidence here as they head into the spring. Yep. That's pretty complete. That's as good as it gets. We'll be back next week with another episode of Nebraska Preps postgame, as I like to say. Don't you dare miss us. A Heard at Sports Network production.